You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. Uh, make sure next time you get a license plate in Florida, you sign up for that endless summer uh, surfer license plate there, and you'll be helping us fund this podcast. All right. Uh, my name is Kevin Miller, and we've got John Brooks missing in action. Not really. He's uh, in Costa Rica flying back as we speak. Um, he will be back in action on the next podcast, but I wanted to get this one out. It's a pretty personal podcast for me. And, uh, yeah, before we jump into it, our festival is coming up on June 16th and 17th. That's Father's Day weekend. So, uh, get a ticket for your dad, bring them out. It's a great time. The first night we'll be doing an evening with Taylor Steele with more details to come. And the next night we'll have great introductory short films as well as feature films. So Taylor will be doing a residency leading up to the actual festival as well. So he'll be in town all week. That'll be fun. Maybe we'll get him on another podcast. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now coming into the festival. Uh, I did have a, a, a close friend on the podcast uh, this time. Uh, Surf Stories is, is the name of it, and we have a couple. Uh, we were actually in the Galapagos Islands on a cruise with our our spouses and uh, kind of a high school reunion thing and we had a good time it was a lot of fun but I took some time to record with a couple of them and uh, well Eric Gunderson is one of them who I thought we would uh, get at least a few stories and if anything you'll hear what it's like uh, growing up in central Florida and looking for waves because that is clearly uh, a difficult task but also uh, filled with some adventure as well Anyway, I thought I'd read this piece about 
uh, me and Eric and, and how our relationship got started. So here it goes. There was a natural order to high school surfing and I was at the bottom. I was a nice kid with parents from South Dakota, didn't understand surfing or the ocean at all really and I needed a pseudo guide. Not just to surfing though, I needed a guide through those years of my life where everything was still a big mystery. As wonderful and business savvy as my dad was, he was shy about life related issues unless it played off of a golf metaphor. He always told me, "You, yeah, team sports are great, but you got to find a solo sport just for you. And I thought it would build character. I think he thought it would build character beyond the camaraderie of a team. And I'm sure that he had golf in mind for me. I had a natural swing from an early age when he taught me not just the basics, but the entire game. I did all right, but it, I didn't fall in love with it. And uh, the good news is now later in life, I can still play decent golf. And the even better news is I have Eric Anderson to thank for my surfing life. He was very much a Looney Tunes cartoon with me playing the little dog, worshiping the bulldog as they walked down the street. As I listened back to this podcast, I was clearly allowed to tag along at first. And the dynamic didn't change for a long time. I was looking for someone to show me how the real side of surfing, school, partying, and relationships with girls worked. There's really only one friend that I can say this about. I believe it's evident. I never really asked my other high school friends what they thought about my relationship with Eric. But if I did, I imagine they would describe it exactly as I have. I worshipped the ground he walked on. When he got in fistfights or fights... When, sorry, when we got in fights over uh, a girl or whatever, it was a massive setback for me. I would dwindle away in acne red sulk hunched around the high school campus. Especially when Eric had left for another school, I trudged my way to classes without a single shred of hope in the world. It was a tough first semester of my senior year. But we continued past the petty shit and we would be back on for surfing in a couple weeks. This recording is really for Orlando-based and Central Florida-based surfers. I think many of you in my generation will identify heavily with these Midnight Oil, Eddie Grant, Bad Company, New Order days. I really did live and breathe surfing from age 16 to 20. Almost nothing else mattered. What happened in those days with Eric were branded with fire. It was a coming of age with surfing not just as a backdrop, but a daily setting. I would look at lakes land swales, ditches, clouds, and skate ramps with an eye for a slow paddle roll-in, a deeply faded bottom turn, and a green glass stall and setup for a translucent speedy inhale, followed by a puff of salt. Lopez at Pipeline, Kealoha at Backdoor, Kern at J-Bay, Kong at Sunset. My man Eric was all of those guys in one. His head snaps, thick posture. I have this image in my head of him mid-pump on his forehand down the face, body stretched out, about to recoil for more speed, losing sight of him as I float over the shoulder, following, followed by a maxing fan of cutback spray. We talked arrogantly about our own sprays and diminished each other's. Spray was a thing. It's evident we had a friendship, but it's also very obvious that I was an observer at first, lucky to tag along. By the end there, I had graduated the Gunderson School of Life, heavily influenced by Pete and Kathy Gunderson, obviously. There was no way I am who I am today without befriending Eric and basically forcing him to let me watch and learn. So thanks to you, pal. This podcast is for you. Your kids should know a little bit more of who you are in those days. 
when I saw Samuel L. Jackson's wallet in Pulp Fiction, I immediately thought of you. Badass motherfucker. I'm sorry if this one comes off as a little self-serving to all of you guys. This one uh, won't be for everyone, but hopefully in the context I've explained, you might have a better appreciation for some of these stories here. I should also mention that the uh, background noise that you hear on the boat is the diesel engines just kind of purring about down there. So, uh, yeah, I apologize for any noise pollution, but uh, it was what we were left with under the circumstances. All right, enjoy. Down in South Orlando, so I guess we're called Val's being from Orlando. One hundred percent. I was not a local. I was embarrassed of my Orange County. I know, tag. right? <laughs> so, what was your first surfboard? Who did you did you earn it with money? Did you uh, give it as like a gift or what? Yeah. So uh, we called it the Warboard. My brother and I shared it. My dad brought it home one day. He said he found it at a garage sale for like thirty-five bucks. So it was a gift, and uh, we proceeded to fight over that board for the next two years until we could scrape up enough and, and buy our own. What did it look like? How big was it? Oh, it was ugly. It was, uh... It wasn't that Miller Longboard, was it? It was not. It was, uh, at least eight feet long. It was, uh, as yellow as a nasty toenail, and, uh, it, it looked like crap. Who shaped we enjoyed it? enjoyed it. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Wow, okay. I forget. It's, uh... And did it have a brand name on it? I had... Uh, I'm glad you brought up Miller. I had a Miller after that, but th- that the Warboard was not a Miller. It yeah. was, uh, it was an it was a non-denominational vintage and uh it it was heavy when we were younger it would take both of us to carry it down to the sand jesus it would use a bar of wax with each coating yeah uh yeah but you know what it got us into waves single fin setup single fin and i remember my brother catching a wave and he went down the line before i did and uh you know we were sharing the board and watching him do that just motivated me i was so happy for him and of course you know sibling rivalry i immediately wanted to do it and do it better than he did and it was uh my brother pushed me a good bit growing up and uh we both fortunately really loved the sport the lifestyle and uh the rewards that it gave us yeah no no doubt i want to say eight feet back then would have been a what we would call a fun board sort of they weren't very popular but i want to say a lot of that 70s era shaping had come into play in the early 80s in this case you would have been it would have been 1982 i hadn't met you yet you were you were on another side of town and this this board where did you say you got it from again a surf shop my father brought it home from a garage sale okay all right fair enough garage sale board there you go to get you started you were diseased for life 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. all right well uh as it relates to uh this conversation i think we should point out we're sitting in paradise right now right we are we're uh, taking a just a great lifetime trip with a bunch of our college ami- uh, high school amigos and uh, their spouses and significant others and um you know blessed we've all worked really hard and we uh, get to reap the benefits absolutely so what's nice is well we never do these trips anymore i think the last surf trip we did was like 2006 and we were pretty good about taking trips every other year and it sort of bled off i don't know how but like yeah really i want to say maybe it was 2008 el salvador was that, that our last was a great trip that sounds about right and then yeah. i think we may have got punched in the teeth in jamaica and that was not a great surf trip <laughs> per se it was a great trip it's good always memories. a great trip but yeah. it, it uh waves weren't very good 
comparative to other places that uh, that uh, and Kevin for the record Miller uh, arranges a lot of these wonderful trips uh, we're all regular foots we have a weird way of always going to lefts but uh, Miller is a goofy um, but yeah El Salvador was fantastic yeah we've been on a lot of good trips together yeah we have and uh, obviously it makes it difficult um, we'll eventually get to where we're going but uh, you had moved to Atlanta after you graduated college and started your career in construction but uh, really the good surf stories are back in in those high school years where where the formative impressions are made and you're you're obviously growing as a surfer rapidly the learning curve is a you know we were weekend warriors and occasionally we would skip school and head over but the idea was we were addicted. We had to sort of find a fix for that addiction, and it was usually a weekend trip really early in the morning. And uh, your dad was obviously being a Navy guy, and just, and I don't know what it was, but you seemed more attuned to the sea in general. And just, you have, you grew up with a fisherman dad too, which is, yeah. I mean, you were kind of like, Gunderson is Norwegian, right? It I mean, is. It, yeah. yeah. So you just had this like, sort of Viking attitude about yourself. And I didn't meet you until, well, I probably bumped into you at school, but I didn't have a class with you until junior year. We, we met our freshman year on day one, your mom and my mom, and they both named Kathy. No kidding, freshman year. And, uh, okay. yeah, your mother inquired about me and, oh, uh, what are his hobbies? And my mom shared that I enjoyed surfing. And your mom said, oh, Kevin, Kevin likes to surf too. And okay. uh, we met, we met, and I think for a year, at least we were freshmen, we either had to get rides with our parents or get rides with, uh, you know, older classmates. And but the yeah. the bug had bit. I mean, we we were that was that's what we did. Yeah, it was my, a blast. Believe it or not, my first surfboard was freshman year. Uh, had an A one A twin fin. It was like aqua with like orange. They looked like oranges down the deck of the board inside the aqua, and uh, obviously a shorter fish type material with a lot of flotation and. I want to say it took me a good year to find a wave where I felt like I was really doing what I was supposed to do, go down the line and stuff. So you were a bit ahead of me. And during that time, I was going to the beach with Paul LaDuke, Steve Schultes, these guys that were, had cars, right? Brian Callahan. Yeah. And so you and I hadn't really started surfing until junior year where you were sitting next to me in theology. And uh, I was of the impression that you knew what you were doing. I don't know what it was, your attitude or whatever, but I needed to... You know, I had a car by that time, but I needed to, if I wanted to get better at it, I figured I'd surround myself with people who are better at surfing. And you're a charismatic guy to begin with. So I think I sort of like forced my friendship on you and you were very polite and, and happily uh, let me kind of start going to the beach with you. And that was the fun part. That was when surfing became fun for me. Okay. Well, I, I, that's, I'm glad that you shared that well, that uh, I enjoyed my time with you immensely I enjoyed you driving I enjoyed your dad's yeah. gas card and not having to uh, pay the two dollars to uh, to get over to the beach and uh, yeah we uh, we we went a lot whenever there were waves many times when there weren't waves we uh, found a way of being at the beach at sunrise yeah no kidding it's uh it wasn't often or it was very often we get to the gas pump and uh, I'd say all right guys time to pony up for gas and you would say, I don't have any money, Miller. It's, uh, it, I don't know, it, whatever excuse it was, you were quick to jump in the store, get your coffee or whatever it was, and dodge the whole gas price situation. And as I think back about it, uh, whatever I paid for in gas for you was made up for in 
probably other supplies. And I'm just going to leave that yeah, out there. Yeah, we but should I let think, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do aspire for uh, being elected one day. So let, let's leave that one. Uh, <laughs> let's leave that one at the door. All right. Fair enough. Well, it's legal now in many states, at least. And uh, <laughs> we just know that I never bought. It was always available. And you were the guy that probably had it or somebody else around us anyway. But your, your early days in surfing um, mimic a lot of people's from a land-based standpoint. You go whether it's bad or good, and you earn your stripes because you surf complete shit Florida waves and eventually learn how to generate speed. Uh, 14th Street was our haunt in uh, Cocoa Beach by it the was. time I started going with you. And and the it, reason we would go to 14th is the Thomas's grandmother lived uh, right across the street. No kidding. And, uh, yeah, that was the reason that we uh, kind of landed on that spot. Greg Thomas, who was, you know, one of my surfing mentors, um, that's where we went. We'd all pile into whatever vehicle it was, and, and uh, the families would make a day of it and drive back to, you know, Orlando, 50 miles away. And it was, uh, man, it was, a, it was a cool way to grow up. We did it a lot. And I feel like I played fall baseball junior year I didn't get picked for the varsity basketball team and that was sort of my blessing in disguise it was hard to go home and tell my dad I didn't make the basketball team but what I knew in the back of my head was I'm going to be surfing a lot more yeah and, and that's I, about know, when it starts getting good yeah in Florida yeah, I mean first fall suit yeah. and uh, we could make it through some of those colder days um, traveling to uh, Cocoa Beach or occasionally Smyrna if it just looked right um, I do remember one specific day, it might have been senior year or something, where we went to New Smyrna Beach thinking, for whatever reason, that was the call. And it was on shore a little bit, or hard out of the north, just huge, absolutely giant. And uh, we ended up hightailing it to Cocoa Beach, which around the Cape, the wind had turned offshore already. You remember this? I do, I do. It, was, it was a long drive, but it was worth every minute of it. and. The waves were firing. It yeah. was uh, it was a blast. A couple of feet overhead, the yeah. biggest rooster tails I've ever seen coming off. Must have been blowing thirty miles an hour plus. It was windy. And yeah. uh, we got our fair share of waves that day, but it was no joke. It might have been the first real big day, winter swell that I'd ever seen in you know. And we were on the street somewhere, probably Fourteenth Street, which is basically Kelly Slater's home break. I mean, I, th I, I think he served Sixteenth Street, Fourteenth Street yeah. all the time. Yeah. There wasn't a big difference. I mean, I think it was just uh, comfort, right? You knew where you were going. You'd pull in, and you start seeing the same faces yeah. and getting smiles. And, you know, it, it's... Uh, Mike with the mustache. Mike with the mustache that had the natural art longboard. Yeah. And uh, he was a UPS guy. Yeah. But I think it took me five years to figure out that he was uh, work there. And it's just, you know, one of those things. It's a game of uh, attrition. And, um, you know, we, while we weren't locals, I mean, we were certainly familiar faces at 14th. Yeah, yeah. And if the waves weren't very good, obviously we'd move about. But, you know, we discovered other little spots over there. and But it was nice having a little familiar face thing going out there in the lineup. I really liked um, just the journey of it all. It wasn't always about getting great waves, although we did. But whether it was one foot shitty slop, we would make it happen. And, uh, yeah, so for those two years. Well, you know, can I jump in here? Yeah, Because yeah. it's interesting that you say that. To me, the camaraderie and the hour-long trip being together, or with you 35 minutes being together in the car getting over there 50 miles, you know, that gave a lot of time to develop, you know, really lasting relationships <clears throat> where you got to go deep and 
really understand, you know, how other people thought and were raised and were treated and treat people. And yeah, we, we were blessed that that happened. I mean, I used to dread those trips, but you know, in hindsight, you know, that was oftentimes, well, it wasn't as much fun as surfing, but it was a big part of our experience growing up. Yeah. It's, it's not, it is the minutia of it all. I remember knocking on your window at five o'clock in the morning because we, we might've been at a house party the night before and said, we're going surfing in the morning. And so you're like, we'll be there at X time or whatever. And I was 30 minutes away, you know, and so I had to wake up at four in the morning to, it used to piss my dad off something fierce that I could wake up and go surfing at the drop of a hat. But for school, there was no chance I was waking up on time. I'd push it to the very last minute. So anyway, I get to your house at 530. I rap on the window. I think Willie Wintel was sleeping in your room maybe at the time, spending the night. And uh, you had told me to buzz off, to split, basically, that you weren't ready to go surfing yet because you might have tied one on the night before or something. And... Uh, so I believe your dad at that point stuck his head out his window and said, Kevin, you need to go home. <laughs> you need to go home and come back later. And I think I went to McDonald's parking lot, 7-Eleven or something like that, hung out until it was time, went back, and you eventually acquiesced to uh, a trip to the beach. And who knows how the waves were that day. But I do know that you, me, and Willie, for some reason, didn't go to Bishopmore. Yeah, that, that happened uh, a, a, enough that my father finally said, Kevin, just come inside the house. The dogs are familiar with you. They yeah. know who you are. And right. just wake them up and don't wake up the whole house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the knocking on the window thing. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. But, we, I mean, we did surf with other guys from Bishopmore, a couple of which are here. Um, but I always feel like we, we were a little more hardcore. They were a little bit more, you know, uh, McGillman was hardcore. We, we, actually, we absolutely spent a few early mornings on the drive to Ponce Inlet, which was his favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we, I mixed Gilman, it up a little. Angulo enjoyed it a lot. Mike um, Noel, Mike was, Noel was in there was too. Good. Chris Wilson, my little brother Matt, who just was always part of the crew. And one of our former podcast uh, got Sean Gilbert was on this podcast. I think it was our second podcast, but Sean was uh, part of that really really tight group of people who would either drive over at midnight after we fooled our parents into thinking we were going to bed. You probably didn't have to because your parents were a little more liberal on that no, front. No, they were pretty hardcore about it. But then we okay. got smart and we just started spending the night over there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got cars that you could sleep in, you know, buses and minivans. And that that made it a lot easier. And those were some great times as, as much as the surfing itself. Yeah. It was just the adventure and being 16 and going into Denny's at midnight yeah. or whatever it was. I know that uh, one time we did spend the night on the beach at 14th Street. I was actually grounded but i told my mom and dad i think that i was just going to spend the night at your house and we were going to go surfing yeah i and, think there was plenty and she of that said going on. no you're not bringing your surfboard you can go hang out and spend the night at eric's i don't know what kind of grounding they call that but i was allowed to do that but i wasn't allowed to go to the beach because <laughs> that was my punishment for something well that got your attention it did and i i was also um going to figure out a way to surf no matter what so we spent the night not at your house but at the beach and i uh woke up to water rushing into my sleeping bag at high tide and i was furious because you guys had all gotten up and gone to the car to dry land and i was left on the beach to take it <laughs> at high tide and my i threw my sleeping bag in the trash can and i had to stand by and watch you guys surf really good waves because i didn't have a board being grounded i wasn't allowed to take it 
And I think Willie let me borrow his board mercifully for like 30 minutes, and I got three or four waves in. And one of those days where you really wish you had followed whatever rules your parent had set forth. But, yeah, you know, that, that's just an example of uh, one of the bad days. One of the good days that I really remember is you and I and Willie driving to Spanish House. And on the way, I got a speeding ticket right in the gutter where the road splits in Indy Atlantic. Yeah. Remember that? Yes, I do. The home of Spectrum Surfboards. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, the Millennium Falcon or Belchfire 4, whatever we called my car, was pulled over. I got a ticket. You offered the cop a donut um, because you thought that would be a good idea. (laughs) And no, he didn't take it. Um, I got a ticket, and uh, it was worth every penny to round up from whatever minuscule savings I had at the time to, uh, well, we didn't surf Spanish House. We actually went about a mile north right behind Chuck's Steakhouse. We did and found a place. I, I, we gave it a nickname. I forget now Nuggets. what it was. Nuggets. And it was epic. It was probably one of the best surfing days I had uh, on the east coast of Florida. Yeah, there's nobody out. Yeah, there was nobody out. Eight water was peas. clear. You water could see was crystal clear. You could see each other through the back of the wave. Yeah in the barrel it was a special it was really a a special day and that kind of created some other opportunities that you know after doing that we identified that oh my gosh there's all these little great cut throughs the uh dunes yeah back in those days you could take your take your car as far as it could get not drive on the beach but we'd go crashing through these you know palmettos and get as close to the beach you know there'd be an open area we'd make a fire pit at night and uh you know listen to music and talk story and you know, be ready. You know, waves would wake you up in the morning. You'd hear them crashing on the beach, and you know this is pre, this is pre cell phones, no alarm clocks. And, right. You know, you just you just hear it pounding, and that was a really pretty part of Florida. It is. I mean, it it has houses where we were camping out now, but there were all these lots that were sort of empty. Either they had a fence, or they didn't bother with a fence, and that's where we kind of sneak in and camp. And yep. I don't think we were fishing them much at all, but we did. We, we did definitely really. set up camp and uh had a lot of good stories at one point you had shifted high schools for a semester um i mean we had intermittent uh girlfriends at the same not you know not necessarily at the same time but like but you're always dodging that relationship i remember todd calibro actually came moved to coco beach from orlando he was one of our older friends who i think he fixed copiers for a living or something like that yeah he serviced uh Gosh, Ricos, or I'm not sure. He re- he's retired recently, as I understand it. Yeah, I saw it. that. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that's one of the cool things about Facebook. But yeah, Todd Calibro became good friends, did a good bit of international travel with us, and he had to have been 10 years older than us. Yeah. He got brought into the fold through Robbie Cleland. I'm not exactly sure how they met, but um, he he was a he was a great guy, and he was a dedicated surfer. Man, he loved surfing as much as anything in the world. And yeah. We all really did. We fed off each other, and, you know, oh, well, I don't feel like getting up early. Time out. You know, there'd be somebody saying, guys, it's firing. Let's charge, and that would kind of, you know, sound the alarm, and everybody would be ready to go. Well, we forgot one important thing, and that is Todd could buy beer. Oh, that is true. Yeah, he was much so older, and we that were was in constant need of bush light and natural light and whatever horse shit we drank during those days just a really nice guy he would put you up in his apartment last minute if you just rolled in and you'd, it was crummy out or whatever yeah. we got he'd put us on the couch or whatever and then uh go surfing but rob cleland was also an institution in our group um, of, of our small sort of tight-knit group who i think rob could buy beer too just the you know the amount of chest hair pouring out of his shirt yes. you know sort of guaranteed him 
no ID. He would wear his top flight or uh, <laughs> his jacket, right? His, his his Top Gun aviation jacket that his dad gave him. <laughs> And uh, we would often surf near uh, Patrick Air Force Base. Second Light was yeah. one of our favorite places to surf. And, you know, we'd crash on the beach or, you know, if we had a little bit of money, get super cheap hotels, you know, have eight of us in there mm-hmm. sleeping on the floor. and The satellite The satellite, motel. yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking to that, let's, let's go into our little last-minute Hatteras run. First time I'd ever left Florida to go specifically to surf. And it was toward the end of the summer. It would have been 19... 19- 84, I want to say. No, we graduated in 89. We did that our junior year. Oh, no, no, yeah, sorry. Uh, it would have been 88. 88. Yeah, and, sorry. Uh, Willie, uh, Willie offered to drive, and we all, it was it was our first big expedition. Yeah, yeah, we and took And I feel tents. like we left at midnight. It was dark out. Maybe not midnight, but it was dark, and we drove through the night. And, With, uh, by the way, no swell forecast whatsoever. Yeah, in had August. no idea. It could have been dead flat. We yeah. just like, we're going to Hatteras. We're going we to Hatteras. figure it out. And that drive up there um, we did not take the ferry through Ocracoke. We went around onto the beach, got there in the middle of the night. Yeah, almost through, Virg- almost through Virginia Beach, I guess, right? It was yeah, up. well, it's Nags Head, sort of Kitty Hawk yeah, sort yeah. of thing where you roll through over the bridge. Yep. And then we started heading south. I think we just set up camp on the – I don't even think we slept that night. I, don't I think, think we, we rolled straight to night, the lighthouse. Yeah. And uh, I think we got a few ways at the lighthouse, and it proceeded to go pretty flat. I don't know it did. what and happened. We got at a campground, and then not only could we... Well, Todd Calibro went with us as well. Yeah. So we had our beer man, you know, it, it, uh, but yeah. there was no beer to be had. It was a dry county. Yeah, and It was so far true. away that we, we never left. I think we... At any rate, it... it uh, yeah. Well, we found the campground. I slept under the car with bug spray all over me because I don't think I had a tent or something. But it was brutal. It was not fun. So I think we left the next... Um, evening after we maybe tried to surf a couple more times and i, I got think, stuck with the night shift drive yeah i think we surfed for three days there and okay. then it, it did it, it became so miserable that it, it wasn't a lot of fun and i think we went back and well it was flat it was flat but i think we went back and actually caught waves we in either jacksonville or new Smyrna beach no it was coco we it went straight coco. to the satellite motel we had another couple days left on our agenda and i remember i worked at the movie review store or something like it was a movie rental place i can't remember what the name of it was but um, blockbuster no it was pre-blockbuster but i remember walking into the back office where they had everybody scheduled on a marker board and i erased my name from all the shifts that would have been during the north carolina chip trip i just i just erased my name and then i came back from the north carolina trip and i acted surprised that i wasn't on the schedule (laughs) and they're like you're fired, man. <laughs> you're not. You're not welcome back. And I was like, "Well, that's weird. I didn't see me on the schedule." Yeah. It's like because I erased it. Uh, but yeah, that was. Uh, I really wanted that that job at that movie store and got it. So it was the first time I've ever been fired wow. from a job. Wow. Did you ever get fired? Uh, no. Asked to leave nicely, but never like get out on the spot. I I worked at Little Caesars Pizza. And uh, I, I had a hard time with the symmetry of cutting pies. Right. I would screw it up enough to the point where they got phone calls and complained, and, and uh, they're like, hey, you know, we don't need your help anymore. So well, how, do you, how do you screw up the slicing of the pie? I don't know, man. It, it, uh, <laughs> it was tough. It, it, uh, it was tough. You know, I had never cooked anything at that point in my life, you know, never held a pizza cutter. And 
that was my job. I was pizza cutter and bagger, and I could bag them. They looked really good at going out the door, but when they opened them up at home, they were very big pieces and very small pieces. <laughs> it, didn't, maybe, it didn't work. Maybe some, uh, all right, well, I won't go there. But yeah. anyway, so, uh, all right, well, that was our first surf trip together. It was fun. I do remember trudging through the night drive home from North Carolina. I'll just drop oh, this in and there. Do you, remember, do you remember that, though? It the, was awful. I was falling Wentles asleep so at the cheap. wheel. Wentles disconnected their dash panel so that it wouldn't record the miles on the trip. So oh, yeah. we were running without a speedometer. Good, good, good reminder. No I speedometer. I don't think we had interior lights on the vehicle the entire time. And, uh, yeah, to save money on, because uh, it would devalue the car. Is yeah, what, I don't is know what was said. There. Good Lord. Yeah. I think his, I think his uh, motto was, Drive offensively, not defensively. There we you go. know, went driving school. What were like we in? That was a minivan, right? Uh, it was a it was a blazer. That was a blazer. Yeah, okay. it was like one of the old blazers. And All right. so, but I remember asking you to drive a couple of times during the night, and you're like, you you and Willie were so tired too that you're like, I'm not driving, man. So I pulled over a couple of times to get that caffeine or whatever. Yeah. But I was I never put myself in so much danger. Maybe to this day, as I did driving sleepy on that on that yeah we that we had no trip. business driving. I mean, sixteen, seventeen year olds. As a Too matter cheap of fact, to get a hotel Will, room. Willie was fifteen. Yeah, that's Willie right. did not have a legit driver's license, and he drove, I think, the entire way up. Yeah, the entire way up. Most of it, and uh, there were certainly some near misses, but we made it. And uh, yeah, it was a good one. I mean, a lot of good stories. Waves were okay, but you know, it's 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 like fishing. You know, you're going fishing. You're not always gonna catch a fish. Yeah. So it, it uh, I did love our, our second trip, and that was for two and a half weeks or so down to Costa Rica, the day after we graduated from high school. Yeah, no doubt. I was, I'll just uh, go back a minute, but I was heartbroken um, that you had moved high schools to Dr. Phillips. Yeah. For that whatever reason, me. we still hung out. No, we did. I absolutely. And you introduced me to a, a new group cool of people, friends right? that yeah. we, we met. Brian, Brian Hemingway and, yeah. and Todd DeKaiser. And yeah, it kind of opened up the, it made the circle bigger and uh, up with some really good people. I yeah. Mean, it's some cool folks. Well, I obviously you got to live with it, but you were my, uh, you were my go-to and you move in high school is kind of, but you had to come back like for the second semester of your senior year. For whatever reason, I don't. I just. I, I. think I thought I would enjoy the freedom, and this is one that you know your parents honestly a lot of times know what's best for you, and yeah. uh, they let me roll with it. And it. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a bad experience. I mean, I met some good guys, but it. it uh, yeah. I mean, it, Bishopmore High School was a special place, to me, especially you know, class of '89. There were some just fantastic people that we yeah. still communicate and travel with today. Oh, we're on this trip yeah. with them. Yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, anyway, uh, we did manage to make it to Costa Rica, and I can't remember what spawned that, but I'm going to guess it was the ESPN episode that Ira Opper did on Costa Rica where Matt George, Matt Louis, maybe, and one of the, one of the other guys. And what, what, do you uh, remember, might have been Chris Frohoff. Do you remember the name of the break that they surfed? Yeah, well, they, in, the, in the show they surfed a few different ones. Obviously, Haco Beach. They surfed Playa Hermosa. It was not great, but it looked good enough. What was the to point break? Though? The point break is. I'm the, getting there. Okay, sorry. No, but you you understand like yeah. The middle of that 30 minute episode, which is more like 22, had a segment from one of one of the surf movies because Ira told me how he made these things. It was just like that was the only budget he had for the year. Everything else was like they had no budget for travel or anything. But ESPN bought the rights and, and showed it. But that one episode, they uh, spent a lot of money to get down there, meet this guy, Oscar, who would drive him around on his boat. And they went up to Witch's Rock and Ollie's Point eventually toward the end. But there was that one segment with Matt Archibald at Pavonis. There was also a corresponding article in Surfer Magazine about Costa Rica right around the same time. And I think that's what planted the seed for us to literally leave the t- like two days after we graduated high school at age 18. At age 18. And we had Joel Prendez with yep. us. We uh, and His, the reason we went with Joel is who was a great guy, but not really part of the inner circle of surfing amongst us. He had a cousin who lived in San Jose who was able to rent us a car. Crush or absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah, you had to have a car. 
and uh, it, it, uh, yeah, so it, it that was it, you know, and, and he added a lot. He's a great guy, and we had a lot of fun. And yeah, I I think you're right. I feel like we knew a couple people that had been um, as well, perhaps from Boone High School. And uh, we you know asked around, started putting the trip together. Who yeah. went? Do you remember who all was? Yeah, on that Willie trip? was there, and then well, Todd, um, Todd and Robbie, Rob Cleland were they, were there too. They had their own rental car though. Yeah. And they they kind of did their agenda. own thing a little bit, yeah. But we rolled up to Playa Hermosa the day we landed. Maybe the next day, actually. I think we spent the night at Joel's place, uh, uh, cousin's place. We did. Place. We stayed in San Jose. But we time. rolled up at Playa Hermosa, and it was maybe mid-tide and six to eight feet, going both ways, offshore, absolutely beautiful, and uh, very challenging. I mean, it was, it was. we got some great rides, but it was scary. Oh, yeah. It, it was, was top waves, to bottom. You know, had never felt power like that, you know, with a Pacific swell. I mean, you know, you go to duck dive and get, at any rate, it was just different. It was stronger. It was yeah. better. It was faster. It was hot, which we all loved, I think. And, and uh, Well, yeah. as, the, as the tide goes low, it starts closing out there. So I think we migrated up to uh, Roca Loco, just a quick little jut channel in the rocks there where you can paddle out and get these novelty rides off of a crazy rock is, is the name of it it is but i mean just getting out there was tough I, I you know i'm 52 now i don't know if i would do that today if it was big and gnarly and, yeah and uh, the timing had to be perfect it was you know you, at any rate it, it's uh, a braver man's uh surf spot for yeah. sure well we tried to we tried tamarindo we drove all the way up there we didn't get much we stayed pretty much in and around Haco and hermosa for the rest of the trip i thought we did boca branca Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We yeah. scored Boca Baranca. We scored really Boca good. really good. It when was it was maxing, it was maxing. It was insane. It, it really was. And I, I don't particularly love lefts, but it was a pretty mellow takeoff, and then it would really get hammering through, you know, across the river mouth. Yeah, where it got shallow, and then a long walk back. It was, uh, it was epic. It I was re- uh, epic wave. You know, uh, I remember sitting in theology, right, or whatever class I had with Darcel. Todd ourselves and we were paddling or not paddling, talking about what we were going to see when we're there and uh, he was going to arrive a couple days after us I think and I remember saying the next time you see me I'm going to be screaming down the left at Boca Baranca and then that was it it was like we graduated and the next time I saw Todd he was paddling out at Boca Baranca and I was you know just screaming firing down the, left, down the line yeah. yeah absolutely it was a, it was a great high five moment that's for sure do you remember that wave was so long and as you know growing up on the east coast oh you know your God. rides are maybe 10 seconds if i don't that, even know if oh that right and you, you, i remember sitting down on my surfboard at boca branca you know at a certain section of the wave to take a break yeah <laughs> and you could do that the yeah. wave was so long i mean it was yeah that's one of the few occasions in my life where my legs hurt more than my uh, arms and uh, you know after you know after surfing it was incredible. I think if you got four or five ways in a day, you were done. It was, I mean, uh, yeah, it was something else. And, man, it was the Wild West. It was, uh, you know, back totally in those different. days, totally different than it is now. Beers were a quarter. You know, it, it uh, yeah. It, we it ran into a linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Jeff Rohrer was there, who I think he might have passed away now. Anyway, um, another couple of uh, surfers, a guy named Bill, who was insane and crazy that we drove around for a couple days and but what a trip i, I feel like uh not very many kids at 18 are uh, set loose on a foreign country like that and uh 
yeah. without some sort of help or what guide. What were our parents thinking? I, uh, they didn't have a choice, really. We were going no matter what. I think you're right, whether they liked it or not. Yeah, we. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We paid for our own trip. We uh, and man, the money went far down there. Yeah, it did. It really did. It was uh, just fantastic. You uh, somehow we found cabins for I think three dollars a night we for were four guys. Up. Yeah, it was really inexpensive, um, and it was all new. I mean, just being out of the country for the first time for a lot of us, um, the culture. You know, you take Spanish in high school for three four years you learn more spanish in three weeks you know yeah. just with full immersion um yeah but it, it, it it's interesting we were there i think for perhaps an anniversary party and um or a, i forget what it was but i mean haka is massive now i mean there's a lot yeah. going on i wouldn't call it commercialized per se but it, it uh it's definitely way touristy yeah. yeah like when we went i mean it was a dirt road and you would eat at little palapas out on the street tree stumps yeah maria's stumps or whatever were, yeah yeah sit on tree stumps and have a roast con pollo and we were kings that's right that's that right. was a good time thanks to ira opera who's been a guest on our our podcast as well who produced the espn show surfer magazine um and uh he he sort of was our inspiration of that that trip so uh yeah lots of good stories leading up to there and then obviously uh you know like any growing relationship you uh, are presented with challenges one of which was where you went to college and where i went um you were i i would have considered you at the time my best bud and you went to the university of florida for a year yeah and uh i went to stetson university about 30 minutes from deland we did our best to stay in touch we, we actually surfed a few times together you were on the surf team there i was on the surf team at the brand new surf team at stetson so i was kind of fun to meet you at a nssa nssa contest yeah down in satellite beach i think yeah real mike riola was on your mike team riola was uh well and for the record i was on the b team there were some Me too. there were some really good surfers i remember uh yeah and as cool at the time as i thought that competitive surfing would be you know I, I didn't really surf competitively until uh until uh college and you know it was cool to be part of the team I think our sponsorship included like a, you know, three ounces of alligator, uh, <laughs> right. alligator sunscreen and maybe a pair of rainbow sandals that were left over from four seasons yeah. ago from uh, the surf station or whatever the, the surf shop was in, in Gainesville at the time. But uh, it, it kind of became my lifeblood and, and those that I hung out with when I was at UF. Yeah. Um, so it, it was my scene and, you know, it. it it was a bit edgier though, right? It it uh it was more skatey, dark black clothes, which is not something that you know when I was growing up it was not you know just a little bit different, a little more skate sceny than what uh, we did growing up in Central Florida. But a great experience. There were some really good guys there. Um, you know, one has gone on and, and stayed in the in the uh, in the industry, and as I understand it, has done very well with a, a surf brand and a clothing yeah, line. No and kidding. and uh, I'm referring to Lost Enterprises. A shout out to those guys. Um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was cool to be with those guys again. Just other maniacs that were driven by surfing. Like any chance you got, if there were waves, I didn't have a car at Florida, so you know I had to create a network of rides. Jose um, Barrero was one of those guys. He was. Had, Jose uh, was on the surf team the other too. Night. And uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was a blast. It was a blast. But you know, going to the competitive nature of it, it, it you know, you had to surf in shit waves. Yeah, no. All the time good. and and uh, we surfed in a contest in satellite and I mean I I wouldn't have paddled out if it wasn't a contest. Yeah. The waves were horrible. I actually advanced through my first heat 
and and I because I caught a wave that like I went straight on and it slammed on the beach and I like tucked <laughs> exactly. in like I was getting barreled. Welcome and, to Florida, and service. and then stood up, you know, through the head of the barrel, which wasn't even, and they're like, okay, you've advanced, and yeah, right. So that that was that was. That was tough, right? I mean, yeah. it, so I a lot of credit to the guys that do this for a living. I mean, I know that it just, you know, they're surfing when they probably don't want to surf. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, we had our Slater spottings back in the day, and uh, that was kind of fun to see him do what, unnaturally, what nobody else could do in those yeah. waves, right? Yeah. Dude, John what? Holman. Yeah, John Holman. Matt Keckley, Rich Rudolph. Yeah. Especially going guys. down towards the inlet, and you'd see them down there. I mean, it, you know, it, it looks different, sounds different, is right. different. I mean, they've got skills that, you know, as good as we all thought we may have been, or at least I thought I was, they were next level. And, yeah. you know, God bless them for doing it. It's fun to watch. It, 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 it really is. It's magical. You had this Gary Kong Elkerton style about you that was just undeniably similar. But who was your favorite surfer back then? Oh, boy. That's a great question. Really good question. Uh, amateur or professional? Amateur. Okay. Because uh, I think I've got answers for both. I want answers for both. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll let's start with amateur. amateur. Okay. So I took a year off. Uh, I did a gap year after a year at UF, and uh, it was good for me. I worked my tail off. I worked construction. Met a guy named Ron Anderson. And we nicknamed him Reron, but he really like modeled his life about chasing waves and surfing. And he was a carpenter on a crew that I worked with. And, and uh, he was a coast guy, but he had moved into Orlando because the money was a lot better. The work was a lot more regular, but uh, he, he would leave at the drop of a hat. I remember leaving after work with him and we would be going, uh, you know, we would work until 3.30, we'd get to the beach at 5, surf for an hour and a half, and then drive back to Orlando. And, uh, you know, to have one just great session. He was very dedicated. It, it, uh, but I also saw that surfing can be selfish, you know, and he had a family, he had kids, and it was still all about Ron. And, and you know, when the waves were on, you know, and he was he was with a woman that, that respected that and got it, and she, she let him go. So, wow. yeah, so it, it was, that was really cool, you know, pro surfer maybe two you know i love first of all i thought you were going to say i was your favorite amateur surfer uh you, strike one yeah you you were not <laughs> it, uh, you were not it uh i, I enjoyed right. i enjoyed and why i enjoyed watching my brother surf yeah i enjoyed watching darcel surf todd darcel was definitely my he was very fluid it was beautiful um you know professional probably martin potter he just would get rad before rad was rad and uh, explosive moves off the top and absolutely fun to watch really cool surfboard graphics which meant something back in the day this was pre everybody's boards being white and uh spray paint and shit all over them um and then i thought andy irons was just unbelievable well I mean, he it, wasn't it, around uh, then but yeah after that well after that but i mean i i was aware of who he was and you know i just his god-given ability was incredible i think that if he had the focus of some other what i'm going to say are like true professionals right like gosh i mean it, it he could have been as good as kelly well he beat him a couple of years that's for sure you're talking about Andy Irons right? I am yeah. okay yeah all right so obviously uh he left nothing on the table when it came to competitive surfing that's for sure so yeah I want to say my favorite surfer unequivocally was Kelly Slater I looked up to him from day one and uh never really got to meet him until a few years ago and played golf with him and came to the festival it was great to finally you know 
hang out with my hero if you don't, you know what I mean he's one of the greatest ever he is the greatest ever yeah. I, I agree with you Kevin I think he's a class act it's so cool that you've gotten to meet him you know in your life play golf with him a few times now yeah 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 he's a good guy so it's been a lot of fun I'm, so basically the uh, the surfing continued through college uh, we would visit Gainesville sometimes with a couple friends and you know ha- hang out and have a good time but became one of those things where surfing became more difficult the more serious we got about our careers and studying probably girlfriends related to that too and obviously you know after college I think it was a good chunk of time before we got together again and took a surf trip yeah it, it was years and uh, yeah. way too long it, it uh I left Florida I thought I was going to be staying in Florida the job that I took changed course you know the day before I was uh Moving to the West Coast, which isn't really a, a wave haven, but I always would have been close to Buds to where if the waves were on, I'd have a place to stay and, and move to Atlanta. And that certainly created challenges to go to the beach. Yeah. Um, you know, and then my career really took over. It, it became my priority. Um, and then, of course, I met my wife. What and, do you do uh, these days? What, what is your career? Uh, I am a, a partner in a uh, design build construction company that focuses on cold storage warehouses. So we, we build, you know, we build facilities that are as low as minus 40 for pharmaceutical minus 20 for ice cream and then zero degrees for the food service places that distribute to restaurants that you probably go to adult things that you're forced to deal with they are but it it, uh you know working hard um has created you know the ability to to get away and do stuff as i've aged a little bit i wish my body was as young as it used to be but uh you know and 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 that's been a good thing because then you start realizing hey you're human. You got to take care of yourself. You know, big waves scare me now. I used to be fearless. You know, I, yeah. I want to come home to my wife and kids at night. And, yeah, no uh, kidding. So it, it's my perspective's changed. I, you know, I don't want the biggest. I don't aspire to go catch big, gnarly waves. But, uh, you know, I like being with my friends. And I think the social yeah. part of it is equally as important as catching a great wave. Yeah, yeah. It's just the natural progression of things. And uh, we did our fair share of traveling after that. We had a trip to jamaica nicaragua el salvador and we uh we scored costa rica again costa rica we i don't think i was with you on a costa rica trip i think that was with wilson and jose maybe but anyway they blend yeah exactly well kevin it's never as memorable when you're not (laughs) thank you i appreciate it yeah i'm sure i'm a real trip maker um if anything yeah anyway well i'm glad you decided to uh sit down with us and tell some of our old stories or any specific stories that stick out instances sessions uh craziness that you, know, you can think of that we 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 caught hermosa one afternoon <laughs> that it was just like top to bottom it was the perfect tide it was the perfect wind it was the perfect everything and you were not there chris wilson was there and i remember getting like the sickest barrel of my life and chris is paddling and i mean there's got to be 10 feet of curtain in front of me and I see him you know clear as day you know not full on standing up but you know just it was an epic barrel got spat out rode it to the beach broke my fins on the sand and I think that was my last wave on that trip in uh in Costa Rica uh that's a great way to end up I mean not necessarily the podcast but great way to I don't know man you're you're never going to forget those particular waves where I think in Nicaragua when we were on that boat out of San Juan del Sur at Rio, Colorado, oh, I did boy. something similar. I had one of the best waves of my life on my backhand and, you know, it wasn't Chris in the channel or whatever. It was yeah. Todd Darcel, And I felt like I was 
catching a wave in front of one of my uh, favorite surfers that yeah. I'll always remember. So, no, it's cool. It, it's uh, you know that gets where it's a little selfish, right? Like you know, I'm I actually may be my favorite surfer, yeah. and, uh, and, uh, and <laughs> no watching shocker. myself on camera is just fantastic. It, it's it's. Uh, it's super cool. Yeah, we've done a lot of great trips. And even when the waves aren't great, you know, Jamaica, you know, there was a couple decent places. But it's just being with the guys and waking up early. And, you know, yeah. it, it's being on the planet when there's not a lot of other folks around. I mean, it, it takes a lot of dedication to do what we do and and travel and wake up early and go to far-flung places and, you know, escape. Well, away from one you know, of the things I admire about you among many items or many things is your uh, – You've never stopped surfing, despite the fact that you're in Atlanta. You've made trips to the Gulf Coast near Pensacola. You keep boards in Cabo. You've got this great setup down there, and you've always sort of kept the sea as a big part of your life. And, uh, well, you've earned it. You've worked hard, and that's the way you do it. So uh, keep it up, and uh, hopefully I'll see you in Cabo one of these days shortly. Right, thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, well, there you have it, Eric Anderson on the podcast, and uh, just really fun to catch up with those guys over the cruise at the Galapagos. It was beautiful. I highly recommend that place, by the way. Um, lifetime trip, for sure. All right, so Brooks and I will be back on the next podcast with uh, a guy named Emmy Cataldi. Uh, Brooks was down in Byron Bay and recorded with Emmy, um, so that'll, that's soon to come. Uh, probably before the festival, I'm sure, without a doubt, maybe in the next week or two. So, yeah, look for that one. Um, next up, uh, you should probably come on out to the festival. Again, if I haven't said it before, it's 16th and 17th of June, Father's Day weekend. Going to be a lot of fun at Atlantic Center for the Arts. I'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation, along with our festival sponsors, Florida Virtual School, Rourke Apparel, Globe, Footwear, Yeti, and Monster Energy is our presenting sponsor. Uh, Josh Wagner, the lawyer dude in town to handle your legal needs. Uh, Sunbum, huge. They came on in huge for us this year, so we're just thrilled by that support and uh, want to thank them. Can't thank them enough. So, yeah, Solento Tequila will be at the festival as well, one of our sponsors. So uh, come on out and sample some tequila. Um, that's about it. Hope everybody has a good uh, week or whenever you're listening to this podcast and go out there and get some waves. Mm-hmm.